2: On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance.
3: Good evening from Edgbaston, welcome to following on Ash's Inquest uh, with myself John Norman and the former England fast bowler, the former number one fast bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Uh, A shortened day here at Edgbaston today, just 32.3.4 overs played due to rain, but with two days still to go. Uh, More than hope of a result either way. I think it's still favourite we're going to get a winner here. Uh, England, though, started day three needing five wickets and they should have got one in the first over of play, if not for another drop behind the stumps from Johnny Bairstow. A big drive from Carey inside edge going to Bairstow's right. He seemed to be wrong-footed and he put it down. Worse was to come, Moeen Alley sporting an injury to his spinning finger, which may put his effectiveness, possibly even his availability to the Test match come Australia's second innings. And with half an hour to go until lunch, Australia had still only lost the one wicket. They were inching towards parity before England went bang, bang, bang. Australia lost their last four wickets for just 14 runs. Here at Edgbaston, Australia bowled out for 386. So it's a one innings game. England leading by seven runs and they were 33 ahead when the rain came. However, there was a small break in the bad weather and Australia capitalised. Australia, suddenly, uh, they are all over England now. The uh, pressure's gone back the way of England. England at 27 for two, that means they're effectively 34 for two. The umpire's calling the players off shortly afterwards. And despite teasing the crowd that stuck around for a couple of hours, that ended up being that. So, uh, I got my maths wrong. It was, uh, no it was, I got my maths right. It's 34 that England lead by. They've got eight wickets in hand. And don't let anyone tell you they know what's going to happen tomorrow. Because nobody knows what's going to go on with this uh, England-Bazpool side. Uh, it's been a, a ridiculous day. Only 32 overs. Can you believe it? We've got so much to talk about over the course of the next hour. Um, uh, I mean, where do you want to start? I suppose we should start, actually, with a story that's just been picked up in the press box here uh, at Edgbaston on the fourth floor, just above where I'm speaking to you now on the third. And it involves Usman Khawaja and a particular send-off that was directed his way from Ollie Robinson when he took his wicket. What's your reading?
4: Uh, frustration. That's all it is. I hope Ollie Robinson is... Uh, he, he walked past Usman Kawaja in the next day or so and just tap him on the shoulder and say, oh, look, I'm sorry, excited. He got excited. He shouldn't have said what he said. The expletives were there. You could see for every, for all to see. It's not nice in the game, but trust me, it, it, the, the sports played by human beings. You know, people make mistakes, but also the heat of the battle. You say, you say, say, say things or you, you react to something... Um, that goes over the top. Um, I don't think there was any any sort of malice in it whatsoever other than Ollie Robinson yesterday had a, a tough deer. He did. You know, we we spoke about it yesterday, yesterday afternoon on our WhatsApp group about him bowling with odd boots on. Um, and it didn't get picked up really until sort of well, we, we mentioned it, but we didn't get picked up till properly this morning. Which is probably his ankle was hurting yesterday. He didn't have the the greatest of days with a ball yesterday. He might not have been feeling too great. And then he's come out today, he's bowled very nicely today. He's hit his straps, hit the ground running, bang, and he's bowled Kawaja, who's got 141, who batted brilliantly yesterday. And all it is is just frustration. I don't think there was anything other than other than that I don't think there's anything underlining where had got under his skin or said something to him or anything like that it was just bang I've been there many times before I've said something stupid I once did it to Nanty Harewood and the next morning I tapped him on the shoulder and, and and he accepted my apology Yeah
3: well let's hear what Ollie Robinson had to say about that send off in the press conference that's just taken place about 15 minutes ago here uh, in the pavilion at Edgbaston No it's
1: not but I think when you're in the heat at the moment um, and you have the passion of the Ashes um, that, can, that can happen. I think we've all seen Ricky Ponting, other Aussies do the same to us. So just because of the shoes in the other foot, it, it's, not, it's not received well. don't really care it's how it's perceived to be honest. I think it's, it's the Ashes, it's a professional sport. If you can't
2: handle that, what can you handle?
3: <laughs> I mean, they get criticised for caring too much, and they get yeah. criticised for not caring. I Meaning, you know, you see so much criticism about uh, both sides, from uh, both sides of the world, about how they smile. They, there's too much. There's too much. There's too many smiles between the players these days. You know, the fact that they play together in the IPL, and there's some, you know, David Warner and Joe Root and all these guys. I mean, are we re- are we really wanting to go back to 2013 when uh, you know David Warner tries to? punched Joe Root in a nightclub Mm. in Nottingham. I mean, actually, maybe we do. Yeah, It's a talking point, isn't it? And that's what the Jonos are after. They're after a talking point and a back page. And that will be the back page in Australia right now, I bet you.
4: Absolutely. And you want honesty. And that's probably a bit too honest from young Ollie there. But, hey, if that's what he believes in, good luck to him. Good lad for doing... Not good lad for doing that. Because I think think when you look at it and he he has a... uh, a cup of tea tonight and he looks at it again. I'm not saying it's not you'll not think it's one of his proudest moments, but um, yeah, he, he is a fiery character. He's somebody who believes in what he says. Yeah, and if that's what he, he felt to, the right thing to do at the time, then I mean, good luck to him. The do only you know thing with that the only thing with that Sorry, is go. the only thing with that is it's like he didn't get him out for naught or he didn't get him out for ten. He got him out for hundred and forty one. So <laughs> History. That yeah, there is there is the other side of it. So, look again. He's, he's he's entirely right to his opinion. He's entirely right to vent his frustration. But there are kids watching, and the swear words probably were a bit too much over the top. But yeah, I, not, I don't I don't think there would be too much uh, of a knock on effect to it. I tell you what, I don't like to see. I don't like it because essentially,
3: cricket is a team game. But it's eleven men out there, or. Next week, it will be 11 women out there, and there's two batters, you know. And what I don't like, and I've always found a really unedifying spectacle, is when a wicket has been taken. And I have no problem with a bowler giving a batter a send-off. I, I don't really have a problem with that at all. What I do have a problem with it is when the whole team yeah, essentially come together and as a group, you know, really... Give that batter, you know, they give him both barrels as he walks off. That I think looks terrible. I don't like that at all. Yeah, but, I, g- I agree. You know, Oli Robinson, as we think, we don't know for sure. I'm not sure if he was asked it tonight, but he's he has, he's bowled through pain, um, and he's bowled a number of overs yesterday, and he's bowled a number of overs today, and it's not like Usman Khwaja is a number eleven. That was a hugely important moment in the match, and okay. He shouldn't have sworn. It got picked up by the stump mic. Maybe there's a conversation about turning them down at moments like that. Um, But no, it's It's done. I don't don't think we're going to be hearing too much about it in a day's time. No,
4: it's just frustration. And you mentioned going all together. On that very ground in 2004, Simon Jones threw the ball at Matthew Hayden, And Matthew Hayden came straight back at Simon. Now, then we all got involved. I remember coming running in from fine league. It was brilliant. Poor Collingwood ran from back of point. You were standing underneath Matty Hidden and I'm looking at Collie, going, he's had bigger dinners than you. He really <laughs> has had bigger dinners than you. So yeah, you, you want your team to be there. But I, do you know what I thought was a nice moment and that? And to finish on the Kawadji one, which is uh, about the spirit. You know, Ollie Robinson might have stepped over the line, but Joe Root ran up, patted his bowler on the back, Yes, well done. And then just broke off for a split second, give Usman Kawaja a pat of acknowledgement of how good an innings it was, and then he went back to celebrate. So there are there are good. There was something good happened in that incident. We got uh,
3: plenty to get our teeth stuck into. I mean, later on in the show, Sam Ella's been out. I felt the defensive outlook from that we saw from Australia with the ball on day one was replicated at the start of day two again. You know. Um, I I thought that essentially Australia at no point tried to get onto the front foot. It seemed to me they were just batting time, grinding their way through and just trying to get to a position, maybe to put some more, you know, more overs in the legs of the bowlers, possibly. But basically trying to bat as long as they can, midway point of the afternoon session, maybe eke out a lead of 60. And I think they came unstuck. You know they don't have a very long. Well, they have a very long tail. Yeah. We've spoken about that. I think that tactic could well come back to haunt them.
4: Yeah, I, I, I said this morning. This morning in two on the breakfast show and on Times Radio that it's about you know the the, where the 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 first session is about momentum going into the rest of the game and that for me would be do we do we really want to bat on dear end of dear four dear five. And the answer would be no, because this pitch is not getting any better. It's deteriorating. So I thought Australia had to come out and either swing as much as they could the minute Kawaja or Carey got out. The other one had to go, just go right, alpha leather, get somewhere close. But the last thing we want to be doing is getting still batting in that middle session unless we feel as though we can get 150 lead because then... England potentially back last on this surface so it just seemed as though again nervousness crept into the Australian dressing room and I think we are going to see that throughout the whole of this test match and potentially to start the next test match because that's what this England team does to you and I think that for me is this new way of England playing I'm going do you know what yeah, until they get a grips of what the, the the game plan mentality is, I don't think, I think you're going to see a lot of nervousness against this England cricket team. We have in the past, and I think we're seeing that from England, from Australia at the minute.
3: Mm, interesting. Well, we've got another massive uh, topic to discuss very shortly. We're going to be joined by a former England spinner, Robert Croft, who uh, played here in 97, didn't he, for England, uh, with success as well. Uh, big question marks about mowing Ali, his fitness is fitness the right word? He's picked up an injury to his spinning finger. We'll find a little bit more about that, how it may impact him in the second innings, whether it's going to impact him further down the road. He's been picked for two test matches. Will he make lords? Uh, we'll speak to Robert about that. We've uh, had uh, some reaction on social media as well. Uh, Fred Dunker says, Just got this feeling the Aussies might win this with a couple of wickets to spare. Then all the Bazball and the disrespectful declaration will be under scrutiny. This is the Ashes not some T20 game at the local Dog and Duck. I'm not sure you could declare in a T20 game, but we do get his Stokes toy, do
4: Stokes might have a go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Fairness, yeah. If anybody was going to declare in a T20, it would be Stokes. Uh, plenty to talk about here. Myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmson. You're listening to Following On. Ash's Inquest. A
2: pitch-perfect delivery of superior cricket conversation. This is following on. Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport.
3: Right, uh, Moby Nally, uh, Steve Harmison. Well, first off, your thoughts. Uh, it was um, a problem that you earmarked as being a potential one. He hasn't bowled in Red Bull cricket for quite some time. He's uh, he's had this problem with, his, uh, with basically cutting his, his spinning finger um back in the day and lo and behold it's happened again
4: yeah it was never uh, for me it was never going to be a mental problem for mowing and i didn't even think it was going to be a physical too much of a physical problem for mowing going back into the big stage the way these guys now play around the world on the big stage no problem for mowing that he's been there done it and he's won many many medals the problem for me were just little fine things. You know, if it was a fast bowler, you worry about the toes, the ankles and everything like that, the joints, because of how much you have to impact to go through. And the biggest thing was the the spinning finger. He's had issues with that before and not being able to cover it up or put plasters on it, that's possibly going to come home to roost. And unfortunately, it looks horrendous. Um, and I feel for him. I really do feel for mowing. Well,
3: I'm joined by, uh, or I'm pleased to say that we're joined on the show by... Uh, uh, a former England spinner. Um, I've been watching you today, actually, during the rain break. They've been replaying the, uh, the highlights from 1997. The Ashes, that famous Ashes win um, back in the day. I enjoyed it back then. I still enjoy it now. Uh, but i please say Robert Croft is, is with us. And first off, Robert, you know, looking at the situation regarding Moeen Ali, I suppose the big question all England fans want to know is, is this going to affect how he's going to bowl when Australia have to come out and bat in second innings?
2: I think it'll affect him hugely. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, I've been in this situation before. I've seen the situation before. And there's no quick fix. There's absolutely no quick fix. It'll take time for the finger to heal. Um, I could see it on the pictures there today that um, it was a problem. And from that perspective, it isn't going to heal. It's, it's a, a situation by which the uh, medical team are going to have to somehow find a way Um, of patching it up, but you always have to patch it up within the the rules and the laws of the game. And um, it's a desperate situation because, as as Harmi will say, it's it's cranking up the pressure on the seam bowlers. The pitch is spinning, so you're not only looking for a a spin bowler to hold an end up, you're looking for a spin bowler to actually be a wicket-taking option. Um, the seamers that we in the first innings have cranked up to 20-odd early 20s. They're going to need another 20-odd overs in the second innings plus. And it's a long series, so it is a problem and it's a massive problem.
4: And Crofty, you, you, you talk about the, the massive problem. As a bowler, and you've been in this position many times, I'm sure you have, the amount of cricket you played, you're in the middle of a game, so you've got to get through it somehow. How does Moen get himself to the end of this Test match? Well, you know, the options you
2: you, you could possibly have, you just you try and bite the bullet, which is easier said than done because, you know, he puts a lot of revs on the ball. It's the last part of the body that the ball touches when it leaves the fingers. Um, therefore, it is the, not only is it pain, but it's the feel. And spin bowling is very much about feel. So you bite the bullet and it bleeds all the way down your finger. The second one, I've seen people in the past, even when they've had breaks, for instance, they have a a ring block injection in the finger, uh, which numbs that finger up. Uh, But then that comes back to the feel situation, because spin bowling is massively about feel. Um, Do you know what, Hammy? I I really don't know, is, is, is the honest answer. He only knows deep down inside how bad it is, how much is it affecting... Um, the pain moment at the point, because you know it's coming. That's the worst Mm. thing is, as you're about to release, you know there's pain coming. Um, And then you start, believe you me, you start trying to find ways of making the ball do the same thing without your fingers, but with the rest of your action. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on using dual root in the second innings with the ball.
4: And I thought that this morning. I thought Moen was was, he was trying to bowl it with his shoulder. He was just putting it there. There was nothing really on it. This pitch is going to turn. Um, and if you do fast forward to the next test match, um, you have, for me, you have to play a spinner at Lord's because of DRS and the slope. Uh, mm-hmm. who, would you, who would you look to? And, I, and I'm saying worst case scenario because I hope Moen's fit. But you've got Riyad Ahmed. You've got Will Jacks, You've got Liam Dawson. Young Carson down at Sussex mm-hmm. is probably too young. You've seen a few. Who do you think would be yeah. the best suited for this attack?
2: I think at this moment in time, if I, I put myself in their position, right? Um, and I would go for Dawson. Mm. That's the way I would probably... If I was selecting a an England team tomorrow, I'd probably go for Dawson because when they picked Leach, okay, they picked Leach, they didn't pick Leach with the greatest respect in the world for his runs. They picked him for his spin bowling alone. Then when they obviously made the change, they had to have faith first and foremost in Mo's bowling, but they also start talking about the runs that he could give down the order. And I think that's where we're actually at. There's no obvious head and shoulders spin bowler saying, pick me, pick me, pick me right now. You have to find the best cricketer to fit into that slot. If you look at the spin bowling situation in the UK, you've got a lot at the start of their journey and you've got a lot at their end of the journey. You haven't got enough at the peak of their powers. And that's a, a deeper question for another time that maybe the ECB need to look at how we make sure that we don't get to this situation again. But if you're asking me who would I go for now, and that doesn't mean to say that the young spinners coming through won't be top-quality bowlers in the future, but they need to get time on the field and learn in the arts. So I would go for Dawson.
3: And before we let you go... Crofty, how did you feel that Nathan Lyon went on day one and how big of a threat is he going to pose England on day four? Because the sun's going to be out tomorrow.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a big threat. Um, he, we all know how good he is. He's, he's as good an off-spinner that I've seen play uh, international cricket, that's for sure. Um, he's going to be a huge threat. He also has got that that sort of extra confidence now of knowing that Moeen is is in the position that he's in. I'm sure he's going to be concentrating on what he's got to do. The, there was worry that Stark were not play it, wouldn't give rough, but a lot of the England team bowlers have bowled round the wicket, going to give him more rough to work with. And let's be fair, he got his wickets in the, in the first innings, bowling round the wicket to, to right-handers and over and, and, and round the wicket to, to left-handers so to speak. So he hasn't really got to a situation in this match yet where he's used the rough outside the off stump. So I think he's going to be uh, a proposition, a real, real test, which also means three four big Aussie quicks to rotate from the other end—a luxury, a situation that Ben Stokes would love to have.
3: Brilliant stuff, uh, Crofty. Thanks so much for your wisdom there. That was uh, fascinating, and truth be told, a little bit worrying <laughs> as well. <laughs> both, Jeez, from, uh, both from both from Mummy Nally and uh, just how he's going to fare uh, when Australia bat, but also. In regard to how Nathan Lyon is going to do on day four, and I tell you what though, Harmy, we'll wrap this conversation up, but surely the ball answer is Ryan Ahmed all day long, leg spin, teenager, and ridiculous raw talent. That just that is what this team is all about. But. That's the conversation for... Well, actually, that's hopefully a conversation we don't have to have. Let's no. hope that Marie yeah, exactly. actually, in the gap between this Test match and Lords, actually is OK. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is uh, following on Ash's Inquest. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison. We've still got plenty uh, on the show. We're going to hear from Mark Nicholas, uh, Ryan Sidebottom, and we're going to hear from, uh, from some of the Aussie fans, and there are thousands of them uh, at this ground, uh, and you are listening to us here on TalkSport.
2: Following on Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. What a
3: performance. You're listening to Following on Ash's Inquest uh, here on TalkSport with myself, John Norman, and also Steve Harmison. Right, OK, uh, it does seem at times like the TalkSport cricket team are actually here. Um, Harmony, you need to get here as well. It will complete, <laughs> complete the level. We just need yeah, and we'll have a full house. No, Yorkshire uh, are winning,
4: leaving where he is. <laughs> well, they,
3: no, they lost today. They've got absolutely... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, But, uh, well, let's hear from uh, another member of the TalkSport cricket team because a a bit earlier today, TalkSport's Super Sam Ellard caught up uh, with Mark Nicholas and he began by giving his thoughts on the first three days of the Ashes so far.
1: Well, very much as the billing was. Pretty intense, exciting, ambitious, adventurous play by England. A lot of original thinking in there. Um, Australia, more orthodox, but getting lucky in this third afternoon period here when they got a bit of sort of iffy light and dampness from the air having come back after that rain delay it was a great time to bowl and England losing both openers I think the cricket is just irresistible. I mean, I, I've noticed, have you noticed that every seat's taken? And normally you look around cricket grounds and seats are empty because people are queuing at bars or getting some food or going for a wander, but people are just sitting in their seats watching the cricket. It's very, very, very good to watch. And that, that's all you really want from Test Match cricket, which seems to be accelerating in, in, its, in its, both its interest for people and its impact on those who come. And you can't want for more than that in an age where the game is. The test match game seems a bit threatened and people talk a lot about T20 cricket right now. The only conversation is test match cricket.
0: What did you make of England with the ball? Stuart Broad speaking yesterday evening was quite unhappy with the pitch. A lot of people saying that the England attack was a bit too samey than he did. Someone like a Mark Wood in it. What did you make of England's bowling?
1: And also the way Australia approached it as well, their attack, their innings. Well, I don't know um, whether Mark Wood would have been ready to play. He's had no cricket. I, I mean, uh, it's very... I mean, the point about Stuart Brawl was that he played at Lords against Ireland. He bowled well. Uh, Jimmy hasn't had any cricket. looked mm. a bit rusty, frankly. He was more rusty first day than he was second day, for sure. And I think that moen Ali was a gamble because he's had no cricket. You know, mm. to come and bowl 30 overs in a test match innings like he did, having not bowled, you're going to cause problems for your, for your, for your fingers. They, of course, the, the point being they weren't expecting him to have to bowl 30 overs in the first innings, you know, but the pitch is very slow, very flat, too slow, much too slow. Sure. I thought England bowled fine. I thought the seamers were good, but it was hard. To, the ball didn't nip at all. The ball didn't hurry off the surface. It's hard to force mistakes from batsmen. It's an even game. Mm. It's a dead even game.
0: Johnny Bairstow had a good time with the bat, but a tough time behind the stumps. We saw a regulation drop, shall we say, early this morning. And then yesterday as well, there was another drop, a missed stumping opportunity. Is it hard of us to be too harsh on him, given the fact he's only just come back from a, a lengthy injury? Or do you think England should be concerned about his keeping?
1: Well, I, I don't think you can be too hard on him. He's been picked to play for England in a test match. So, you know, the injury issue and being picked is is... It's not an excuse, is it? You know, he's now deemed to be fully fit and available. (laughs) Um, He took a brilliant catch uh, to to get rid of Manus Lubbershane. And then he's looked, again, he's looked a bit rusty. He he looks a bit static in his movement, actually, as if the injury... You know, a wicketkeeper has to have top-class footwork and has to be agile. If you look ahead to five test matches in a short space of time, how's that body of his going to cope? Do they stick with him? Can they really abandon someone after one match? If they abandon him and want to keep him in the team as a batsman, who do they leave out? Can they really leave out Harry Brook? Probably not. Can they put him into open? It's not Johnny's strength, you know. He's, he gets bowled a lot when he faces the moving ball. Johnny is a destroyer in the middle order, and that's his most effective role. And he, at times he's unbowlable too, he's so good. So I'd leave him in that role and rethink somewhere else.
3: That was a conversation that was taking place, actually, between Mark um, and a couple of former England captains who will remain nameless. We were on the gantry having a little chat about the situation. And um, this is at a point before England had taken those four quick wickets. But essentially, Mark's raising the point, how do you deal with the situation if this continues as it is, if Besto keeps dropping chances? Now, we know how stubborn England are or have been, And in fairness to Zach Crawley, he's... um, That's 61. That set England up on day ones. Maybe they're going to be proved right. I cannot see them um, dropping Bairstow uh, from the side. Why would they? Because he scored 78 in quick time. Hugely valuable partnership with Joe Root on day one. But he dropped another one today, didn't he? Um, And even looking back at that chance yesterday, which was a great grab, Manus Labashain. You know, I'm not sure technically it was was as it should have been. He made... uh, he he pulled off the catch, but where's your take on it? Where's where's your what's your feelings on it?
4: <laughs> Mine's still been the same for the last two years. Johnny Besto should be keeping wicket for England. But if and, he yeah, but if he keeps he, dropping I mean if you're a He's gotta keeper. get yeah, I get what you're saying. But he's gotta get he's gotta get better the more he keeps. I think he's just he hasn't kept. And that's that's the thing, he hasn't played, he hasn't kept. And there's no there's no I don't think there's anywhere that Ben Stokes, Brendan McCollum leave Johnny Besto out first and foremost change no I don't think they will either No, I and I, it's the same as Mo and Ali's position Mo and Ali's playing five test matches if he's fit no question whatsoever no matter well, how, listening what listening to Robert
3: is. Croft I, I can't see that happening
4: yeah well if but but what I'm saying is going into this test series there's nowhere that these the, the the management team are going to drop Johnny Besto or Mo and Ali if they're both fit they're both player these are our men they've been so consistent with selection Gosh, you've got to look at um Zach Crawley, the, what I kept saying yesterday, how do you get th- 11 out of 13? You can't. So as much as I really want Ben folks to keep wicket, I can't fit him in my team. I, I just don't know how to fit him in the team. It's a different question, January, February, March, when we go to India. Now that, is, that is a different question again. I think then you have to look at specific roles for specific times. Johnny might be able to open the bat in India. Because you know, that might be the best time to attack and bomb the bat. Then you can move things around. But in England, when the ball's moving around, nowhere. You'd leave Johnny Bester where he is. And for me, he hasn't. The reason why he's dropping catches is because he's a bit rusty. Jimmy Anderson was rusty. Ollie Robinson was rusty. We haven't played. That's why they haven't played Mark Wood. They'll get better for performance. Johnny will get better as it comes. The stumping of Cameron Green, yes, it was a howler as it looked, but it was a difficult, it was a sharp turn and he, 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 you could see how rusty he was. He snatched at it. He tra- He went to the ball. You watch Ben Fokes and it just it just glides into his gloves, comfortable, smooth, and he just whips the bills off, not a problem at all. But unfortunately, what Johnny does with a bat, Ben Fokes can't replicate. So for me, the package, and that's why he steers in the team.
3: Okay. I think this might be one we've returned
4: to. But, Many uh, times.
3: I could almost imagine, you know, if they did decide not to go with Bairstow, they'd bring in Butler. It's just that kind of basball craziness. Or oh, the goal uh, with Jamie Smith? Yeah, I don't know about that so much. I, he I, I think he, he's not he as fits... basball as Butler.
4: No, not as Butler, but I think I think Joss's ship's sealed. I think he's got too much on. It's a bit like Joe Root playing one-day cricket in 2020 cricket. I don't think Joss's ship in test cricket is there, but I think, I think if, if something happens... To Johnny Bairstow in this Test series, I'm not sure England go back to to Ben Folkes. I think they'd go. I think they'd go somebody like Jamie Smith, because mm-hmm. they'll want to keep the you know, that destructive middle order, and a player in there who can do the role that they've, they've picked Johnny for. Because they're very stubborn, as we know. They are. They are. I'll tell you another name that was mentioned
3: today whilst watching Ollie Robinson and Stuart Broad successfully bounce out the Australian tail, was Mark Wood, <laughs> um, uh, who I also heard one commentator say was probably quite relieved not to be playing on this pudding of a pitch. But certainly, when you look at the way that Travis Head has dealt with a short ball as well, and I know Lords isn't a, isn't a track synonymous with uh, with hostile <laughs> short-pitch bowling, unless Joffrey Archer is bowling, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, England do have options going into that second test, whether they'll be 1-0 up or 1-0 down, or maybe it'll even be a draw because there is bad weather forecast for Tuesday. We shall wait and see. Either way, uh, another uh, England bowler, former England bowler, was here at Edgbaston today, and Super Sam Erlard caught up with uh, one of your old mates, Ryan sidebottom uh, And after Stuart Broad criticised this uh, pudding of a pitch after day two and he began by giving his thoughts on Mark Wood's exclusion from
5: Edgbaston If England are going to want fast pacey, bouncy wickets then you need that little bit of X factor this is no criticism against this England bowling attack, some wonderful talent but it's quite samey samey and I think if you're going to win test matches you've got to have to be able to take 20 wickets and it looks as though they need someone with a little bit more pace or someone that's going to you know, have it around the heads, put pressure on the Aussies. And then, you know, the other end, you can have your Jimmys and Stuart Broads and Ollie Robinsons operating, you know, with that immaculate line of length. So for me, yeah, Mark Wood's probably been maybe a miss in this match. But actually, they bowled well so far. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be talking today about Johnny Bairstow.
0: Look, great seeing back. He was obviously, he played really well with the bat, but there were some, some bad misses, weren't there, over the past couple of days. We saw one very early on this morning. We saw another catch yesterday a missed stumping yesterday I mean look is it, is it to be not expected because it's, in it's test cricket but to become a little bit of sympathy given the fact that he's just come back into the team or is it more of a concern for England moving forward do you think
5: no def- definitely it's a, it's a conundrum that England have it's nice to have I suppose you know when you've got someone like Ben Foulkes who is a very brilliant established wicketkeeper for me it's difficult because Johnny's got 12 test hundreds and he had a wonderful season last year you know brilliant summer Um, highest run scorer you know it was just great to watch but I think in this situation what do you want could you move Johnny up to open you know because Zach Crawley has been had a lot of criticism you know he's been quite inconsistent with his batting performances would you be okay with that? Best opening is that an option for you? Well, you could have Ollie Pope move up to opening and John, Johnny at three, and then bring Fox in lower lower down. I mean, Ben Fox is still a very accomplished batsman, very good batsman, sort of old school Test cricket, as it were. Gets stuck in, builds his innings, but you can't drop Johnny um, for the fact that he's twelve Test hundreds, what he did last year. But yeah, he's not had the experience. He's not played behind the stumps for a long time, hasn't he? So it's going to be difficult, but. In crucial matches, can those two catchers, will they make a difference? Um, So I suppose that's what's going to be talked about regular. Can you get folks in? Where can Johnny Bart? um, Those two misses could have been crucial maybe moving forward in this game and maybe the next game. You know, catchers win matches sometimes and and missing those stumpings or a catch could be very crucial.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Big thanks to Ryan Sidebottom there. We gave Sam Ellard a few minutes of his time. We've had uh, some... uh, uh, people get in contact martin robbins on social media on twitter says you have to find a place for folks or we will be conceding too many runs regardless of how many runs players may make and that will be the perennial battle won't it that's the argument uh one pe- some people are on one side of that seesaw mm. and uh, others on the other so uh yeah plenty to uh still discuss here um, we're going to hear from Australia wicketkeeper Alex Carey and we're also going to hear from some of the Australian fans who are here in Birmingham for this Test match here on Following On, Ashes Inquest.
2: On DAB, online, on the app
3: and on your smart speaker. Order, order, all rise for Following On, Ashes Inquest on Talksport. Azim Rafiq's been in contact. He's listening to the show. Delighted to uh, to have him uh, tuning in. He's got a question for you as well, Harmi. Well, I assume it's for you. I don't think it's for me.
4: Uh, <laughs> it might or, be for uh, Crofty. I'll, uh, I'll read it out in a minute. <laughs> I think you enjoyed um, Crofty. It,
3: question for you, Harmi. If we go with Rayan Ahmad, is the fact he bowls cross-seam an issue as it will affect the condition of the ball?
4: Yeah, I think, I think what Azim's meaning, I think this is, is what he's meaning, I think because Rayan, right, uh, round Ahmed bowls a lot of googlies and a lot of sort of bowls that are straight on, more one-day style, where it comes out the front of the hand and it scrambled seam and hits. You know, it it could hit the shiny side. It might have an effect on you know how the balls looked after and its where it's swinging and you know you know how much Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad make sure that the ball the ball is is the best it possibly can be looked after in english conditions because over the overhead conditions like we've seen today when it comes in your favor you have to make sure that that ball is um, is your best friend and you know sometimes a leg spinner especially an experienced leg spinner could have an effect on the the, the way the ball um the way the ball looks and the way the ball behaves so i think that's what azim's meaning but i I'd, I'd, I'd flip that over and go I, in this attack i think you need something different and if you're not going to pick Mark Wood and you need a spin bowler, I think I would, I would quite like Rian Ahmed to bowl at the tail, bowling them googlys, bowling them ones that go straight on, a bit like what Adil Rashid does, um, because I think we need that that X factor, that difference of options. And when we talked about Mark Wood before, and they said about Mark Wood not being effective on this pitch, I disagree. I think he'd be more effective on this pitch than he would be on a fast, bouncy one. A fast, bouncy one, you can get on top, but because he's not tall, you can use the pace if it's true. When it's when it's not true, you are know, as a tail ender, facing the likes of Showback Tar, Brett Lee, Alan Donald, you put it on a bouncy one, you knew that line about just back of a length, if it pitched there, you ducked very quickly and it consistently went over your head. On a pitch like Edge Baston today. I tell you what, as a tailender, it was a nightmare because you didn't know if it was going to bounce. You didn't know if it was going to be sort of fly through, and more often than not, because you're a tail tailender, it just hit you. It was awful to face, and I think that's what Mark would have been. You know, that that just that little bit different on this surface. So, thanks, Azim, for your question. I hope I've answered it as best as I can. But as that wouldn't look at the ball condition. When selecting the young man, I'd look and think, can he get me wickets, especially tail-enders? And I think I would would punt for him because I would say yes.
3: Mm. Okay, good stuff. Okay, let's have a little talk about Australia show because they did cause a little bit of a stir by some of their tactics on day one. Four fielders on the boundary within the first 30 minutes of a test match. But what do some of these Aussies that have turned up and travelled thousands of miles to come and watch their team play? Uh, We sent Sam into the crowd at Edgbaston to find out more.
0: Watch this? You know, you don't start off like that. It's just good test cricket, no? Basketball's one way to win test cricket, but there's more than one way. Playing good test cricket is also a good way to win. It. We're missing chances because they're back on the on the boundary. We're, yeah. we're not happy. I would also remark the amount of fielders on the boundary this morning for the Poms. Uh, plenty going on there. I think we're playing uh, more the way you used to play, and you're playing more like the way we play. Yeah. Look, I can see their point, but I'd also see the point if we had the, te- had the, side, the guys up on the In the ring, and then England get away and and get some momentum, they're hard to stop. Maybe Duncan Fletcher's had a word, hey? (laughs) I don't know. I think the way England play, and you've got to come up with different tactics, and whether it works or not in this test, we'll find out. Timid start, but they've come good since. I think England's gone a bit, like, baseball crazy. Like, baseball's great, all for it, but, like, come on.
3: Good stuff, good stuff. Well, let's hear what the Australian wicketkeeper, Alex Carey, had to say about the way that they've gone about their uh, their bowling uh, in this test match.
0: Everyone knows we started with a field out in that first innings um, and they, they got away with some singles, but was always trying to restrict that boundary. We've seen England play so well um, and so aggressive over the last 18 months. And then today, taking two early wickets, we, we saw an opportunity to bring that field in and, and squeeze pressure. Um, we're only out there for 10 overs, but it sort of felt that, um, you know, we're, we're back to hitting some nice line of lengths and getting a little bit out of the wicket and, and the field could come up. So, um, yeah, just reading the play.
3: I don't know I don't know what's more defensive, the Australian cricketers or their fans.
4: <laughs> I mean, they don't <laughs> yeah. like it,
3: do they? No, They're but... really good on the front foot, but as soon as you, get, you poke them, they, they come at you yeah Duncan Fletcher comment Duncan as well Fletcher
4: comment I couldn't believe Fletcher got brought into it come yeah, on no. boys it was 18 years ago come on <laughs> oh, I, I, look I look at this this is like I said before it is I think trial and error a little bit against this England side not everything's going to work you'll get to a point eventually which is your method and your where. um and that's what Australia will will eventually get to to work out the sooner that they work it out, the better it will be for them. Um, England got away from them again. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it will not happen again, Um, but Pat Cummins will have learned a lot from how England play, the angles that he needs to have his fielders in the deep to have, and also which players to have them fielders in and which ones to have them up. And that first innings, he just seemed to get a little bit blinded by the fact that it was the same field for, for, for every bowler against every batter. And, the one batter that they probably had to put pressure on early was the one that is probably the greatest player that we've ever produced. And that was Joe Root. And he got away from them. So I'm sure that will not happen again.
3: OK, let's have a little look at day four. I tell you how this conversation would have gone for 144 years or however long it's been that Test Cricket's been played up until last year. Uh, we would have said that, well, England need to go out there tomorrow. Eh? They need to just make sure they see off the new ball, uh, make sure they only lose one, at the maximum, two wickets by lunch, uh, get themselves into a position where they're 120, 130 ahead, and then essentially try and bat through middle point of T and the uh, end of play and then put Australia in. But that isn't the conversation anymore, <laughs> is it? We know what's going to happen tomorrow. Baszball.
4: Yeah, I'm not so sure. Do you know why I'm not so sure? Because there, there is all the talk about baseball and it's hitting sixes and fours. I'm not sure that it is in that dressing room. I think it is from the outside. But I don't think it is in the inside. I think they, they take the positive option and the best way to win a game. We've seen a couple of times during Ben Stokes's tenureship where they have batted a little bit more reserved and conservatively. Ben did that one game, I think, in Pakistan because he realised that if we bat for four hours, I was at what might be in a little time in New Zealand as well. If we bat for a long period of time slowly, he did that at Mount Manganui, that's where it was. He batted prolonged the way in the day and he, he really sort of reduced the slow rate the run rate in the middle session because he knew at night when the ball was at its best this is when I'm going to declare and this is when it's the right time for my team now Ben will know that it might get taken out of their hands because he got bit rolled out for 150 and that's it boom gone Australia then cheers but I think if England have it in their favor England will bat try and bat basically all of tomorrow because they know for a fact on day five, even with a, a sort of hampered Mo Alley, this wicket's not getting any easier to bat on, and all of a sudden England will be massively in the in the ascendancy. So I think time on the wicket will be will tell. If England come out and try and go crash bang wallop, there could be there could be fifty for four, fifty for five, and then it's game over. Australia win the first test. Are you telling me you don't think that England, if they're still batting, you you think that
3: they will not declare tomorrow because?
4: I, I think I we'll think declare we'll... tomorrow. Yes, but I think yeah, we'll, it'll okay. be it'll be the last forty minutes to the last hour. I think Ben yeah, Stokes last, will last at
3: least an hour.
4: Yeah, you'll I mean, try and get every single possibility out of this being on this there surface. Is, there is rain
3: here on Tuesday as well. I I think they may have a look at that as well. Mm. And they score so quickly as yeah. well. I mean, Australia Australia hit seven runs less than England, and they scored three hundred and eighty-six. Sorry, what am I saying? They, they batted for 116 overs and they, and they hit 386. That
4: was seven runs less than England did. And England faced, how many overs did England bat for? 78. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But I think the time is what wins the game on this surface for England. Because if England get rolled over, while the wicket's still not too bad, then they've given the advantage to Australia. If England bat until 5 o'clock tomorrow night, the time that's on that surface, no matter what runs a score, whether it's scores six and over or not, but the time makes a massive difference. The deterioration of this pitch, the running up and down on it, will bring England even more of a chance, or an easier chance to get the Australian 10 wickets. If Australia bowl them out by lunchtime, just after lunch tomorrow, there's still a good bit of that surface intact for Australia to go on and win.
3: Very, very quick, quick answer. 20 seconds, no more. Who will be Australia's most fearsome
4: bowler for England tomorrow? Pat Cummins, because I think he bowled beautifully today, um, and he didn't. He didn't have his greatest day, and I think he, I'm not saying he owes his team, but I think Pat Cummins will sense that if he has a good day tomorrow, he bowls Australia to victory.
1: You've been listening to the following on podcast from Talksport. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, for more cricket content, you can listen to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On.